to understand spiritual truth and that we need your spirit, the spirit of God, to illuminate the truth of your word into our hearts and lives. So we ask that you would do that work for your people this morning and that we might, uh, Lord, fill uh, our hearts with all the fullness of, of who you are and how great you are and how majestic is your name and uh, the, the majesty and the glory of, of knowing you, our Lord and God, and the wonderful privilege that we have of being called your children. And uh, Lord, uh, protect and keep your people and illuminate the truth of your word to your people that we may walk in the light of truth and hold forth the word of truth in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. For it's in the name of Jesus and for his glory that we pray and ask these things this morning. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us. And I uh, didn't know what it might be today that there's, uh, there's just so many people are, are sick and even with different things. So um, we're, we're just glad to see faces out there. It's always better to, to preach uh, uh, and see people's faces here. It's wonderful to have folks online and to have that, that ability to do those things. And we're very grateful for that, that uh, there are people that are seeing me, but I'm not getting to see them. And that's, uh, that's uh, you know, a little bit of a, of, of a disadvantage. But it's wonderful to see your faces, but have you with us. And uh, if we can look at Romans chapter 8, <clears throat> I'd uh, like to read again from verse uh, 31 to the end of the chapter there in Romans chapter 8. Um, and I'll read out loud. You follow along in your Bibles if you, or devices if you have them. Uh, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword or COVID? Just as it is written, for thy sake we are being put to death all the day long. We were considered to be sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. What a wonderful passage of this inseparable love that God has, has given to you. And please personalize it and put it in your hearts and let it simmer and dwell there and do the transforming work that the love of God alone can do in our hearts and lives. Uh, we have been embraced by a loving and merciful God and that loving and merciful God forgave all of the offense and, and sin uh, by sending his son to die on the cross for you for all of the stinking and dirty and filthy sins that you have committed for all of the, the um, very nature that is in us that, that um, does not uh, match up to the, the holiness and glory of God, he has washed away those sins and taken uh, by his great love for you, personally for you, uh, those sins that were an offense to God the Father he afflicted his son on your behalf. God made he who knew no sin to become sin on your behalf that, he might be, that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. So he's given to you a wonderful gift, Christ's righteousness. And we stand in that righteousness this morning 
and consider the inseparable love of God. Um, and this is like part three for this wonderful passage of Scripture. <clears throat> but let me address again, uh, just beginning there in verse 35, we picked up the, this idea of the certainty of our future glory that God has for us in Christ Jesus, what God's plan for you is. And then that plan, the scripture says that the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children heirs also, you have been made an heir with Jesus Christ. Consider the gravity of what that means because Jesus Christ owns all things. God the Father has given to him everything. And it's his son and he's given it to Christ Jesus, uh, the one who was born of the, the lineage of David, uh, this, this man that, that the son of God um, came and, and, and became in flesh for us. Uh, to take care of our sin and, and to bring us back, to reconcile us to God. And it says that we're fellow heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with him. So it's important for us to realize that God's suffering will, uh, will be in a fallen world, that there's going to be this suffering. But it says, so that we may also be glorified with him, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Believe it, that the glory of our living God is there to be revealed to us, that he has a future plan for your life as a co-heir with Jesus Christ, as a child of God, that is glorious and worth all of the suffering, the present suffering that we may <clears throat> endure in these days. So uh, let's look then at the love of Christ that keeps us. And let's think about these things this morning. Now, I did want to mention that <clears throat> I've done a new thing with the, the children's notes there. Um, and uh, in this green, we have some of the, the uh, um, things that, the points that we want to make through the sermon there and uh, as we look at these passages and these verses. So uh, let's see how it works. Uh, I hope that it will be uh, beneficial to, to our, our children and, and maybe to some of the parents here. They need to, to take these notes as well. But, uh, so our passage in, in Hebrews 7.25 says that therefore God is able. He is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. The love of God is, 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 is a very powerful thing. Uh, the mercies that Christ uh, had when he went to the cross of Calvary. <clears throat> and understand that God was able to know you personally when he died on the cross, even though it was some 2,000 years ago. And it needs to be personalized, our understanding that Christ took that place with you in mind. Uh, that God knows you in such a personal way uh, that he was willing to substitute for the death because the scripture tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person on planet earth is, has fallen short of the glory and the holiness of God. And, and the wages of our sin is death that we had to die and be separated from God. Not only uh, death by physical sin, by physical death, but also by spiritual death, which was separated, separation from our Lord and God. And so uh, that was our fate, and Jesus Christ became sin for us. He took our place and died for you, and he died for you in a personal way, knowing you, understanding you better than you understand your, yourself because he's your God and creator. And he loved you this much. And so Jesus will never stop loving us and, and turning bad things into good. As we uh, looked at those verses, all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purposes. So these suffering things that we talked about, the present suffering in this world that we live in, is small by comparison 
to the love that God has for you. And he's turning things in bad things into good things in your life. Even the bad things. That's the nature of our God. He's a loving Heavenly Father. And he has the power and the ability to do that, right? When Christ <coughs> crucifixion <coughs> on the cross, with Christ's crucifixion on the cross, it was a horrible thing. It was terribly unjust. But what did God do? He turned it <coughs> into many people's salvation, to the salvation of those of you in this room that have trusted in Jesus Christ. Uh, God is miraculous and powerful, and he can turn the worst things into the greatest things. That's how great he is. That's how powerful he is. And so knowing these things, we can trust him. And uh, then we look at our first major point there. No one can separate us from Christ's love. And, and this is the, the main point of these verses that we're looking at. Jesus will never stop loving us. It's an eternal love. It's eternal life. It's an eternal relationship. And it's turning bad things into good things. And that's one thing that we, as Christian people, we always have hope, don't we? We always have hope even when bad things come and hardships come our way. We know that God, our God, uh, what he has said, what his word has declared, therefore we have peace. We have hope. Uh, we have uh, a knowledge that, that he has prepared these uh, that, that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with that glory that is in the future to be revealed to us in Christ Jesus. We trust you, Lord. And I hope that you can say that in your heart and in your mind and in your soul today. We, we love you, Lord, and we trust you because we know how great and how powerful you are. And so when things look really dark, and I know that we're living in a dark day and a dark time and things are, are going all wrong, and we know that they're all wrong, uh, things that are happening in Afghanistan, you know, just to, to look on and see those things is heartbreaking. And it makes one cry, and it makes one long for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ when the judgment of the nations will take place and all of these things will be dealt with justly by our Lord and our God, the Almighty God. He's able to deal with these things. And while it may not seem like it, these things are bad. These things are definitely bad. And it may not seem like it, but God's word is true. He's working them together for good for, for those who are called according to his purposes. And he's called us to suffer with Christ, to suffer in holding forth the, the power of the gospel, the name of Jesus Christ in these times. And what an honor it is that we get to live here when, when the call of God is, is so urgent and so necessary and so meaningful. So take the gospel of Jesus Christ and proclaim it to all who will listen and let them know that, that that judgment of the nations, that the return of Jesus Christ is coming and maybe very, very soon. And, and it is urgent that they not pass into a Christless eternity, but that they trust in Jesus and know that what Jesus had did on the cross of Calvary is sufficient for the forgiveness of your sin. And all that God asks is that you trust him. Trust my word. Believe what I'm telling you. Jesus said, uh, he that beholds the Son and believes in him has eternal life. Put your trust in Jesus. Jesus said that I've given unto you at that point eternal life. And then he declares, and I myself will raise them up on the last day. And that means that our resurrected Lord is going to resurrect our bodies from the grave. Death is nothing to you. It, does, it only means that you're passing into glory, into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So why would we fear death when God has conquered death through Jesus Christ? And Jesus Christ's word to us is not only that we have this life eternal, but that he will raise us up on the last day, that we're not going to the grave and that our bodies will not 
simply decompose there. These bodies of sin and death will be decomposed, but there's a new resurrection body that Jesus Christ is giving to us, and it's glorious beyond imagination. Uh, in, a, in a place and a time when he has removed the problem of sin and the hardships and the horrible things that we see in our, our horribly broken world that we live in today, Jesus will never stop loving you and he'll never stop turning even the bad things, the things that we suffer in our fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and turning those things into really good things. So let's look at some points here. Uh, there in your notes, uh, we're assured of our sanctification. Now, sanctification, <clears throat> as, as most of you know, is, is that God has, has taken us and set us apart for holiness. And we're assured that, that what we can't do in the strength or the energy of our flesh, that God, by the power of his grace, is able to do. He's able to sanctify you. And, and the scripture says, be holy as God is holy. And so what happens is, is a Christian begins to try to be holy and they find, I can't be holy. You know, in the strength and the energy of our flesh, we can't be holy. We can't, we can't uh, imitate the character of God by the power of our flesh because our flesh is, um, is, is just, it doesn't want to do what God wants us to do. So all of that opposition that you have, is a, a lot of times Christians will say, well, I don't think I'm, I, don't, I wonder if I'm saved because I've got all of this stuff going on and I, you know, I can't read my scripture. I can't read the Bible. I'm, I have trouble praying. And oh, why is this? Why does that happen to one that's a believer? It's because your flesh is, is not compliant with the will of God and never will be. You have to resolve that that's the case. So, but we're assured that our sanctification or that victory over that flesh and victory over our, our sinful desires and fleshly desires will not separate us from the love of Christ. And though the Bible tells us that we confess our sins and God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, he's sanctifying us and causing us rather than to try to, to puff ourselves up and draw enough strength to, to get sanctified or to do what right, is right before God, to cry out to God, God save me. Because sanctification happens at that point. It happens when, as you have received Christ Jesus, so walk ye in him. And that means that by God's grace, through faith in his power, in faith in what he's able to do in us, we get sanctified because God does it. But it requires that connection with Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, I am the vine and you're the branches. Uh, without me, you can't do anything. But if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Well, what does that mean? It means you'll be sanctified. It means that God will, will do those things. But notice what it says in John 10, 27 through 30. And this is Jesus speaking to you that have been saved, that are still struggling with those battles in the flesh. The scripture says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them. Jesus gives it to you. He, it's his power that brings it about. And they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's security, folks. That's where our security is. If you're looking for security in, in, uh, in money or in glory or in attainment in this life, uh, it's not going to be very secure. It's going to be passing. But in the hand of our Lord Jesus, in his great love for you, no one can snatch you out of his hand. No one can take away from you what he has given to you. My Father who has given to them to me is greater than all. And we need that focus upon how great God is and how majestic and powerful he actually is. And the peace that we have is going to be directly related to thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Right? So no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So we're in Jesus' hand. We're in the Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. 
So Jesus is telling us that this, as the Son of God, He and His Father are one. Jesus did perfectly. I do always the things which please Him, Jesus said. And He's called for us to follow after Him and to do always the things which please our Father, just like Jesus. And He'll enable us by His Spirit, His power, His work within us to do those things. Isn't that glorious? Doesn't it make you want to shout? Doesn't it make you want to put, put that gives you the happy feet there? You know, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, and second point here is that um, we're assured that of our sanctification and no martyrdom can separate us. If, if you look at, at verses uh, <clears throat> um, verses 36 there, for just as it is written, for thy sake we are being put to death all the day long. They're being martyred. Okay, that's what Paul is saying. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And we're seeing that in Afghanistan today. The thing that I read to you last Sunday was of a church, a house church, that was busted into by uh, Al-Qaeda or ISIS or Taliban or whoever it is that got their identities, and they martyred them. They were slaughtered like sheep, uh, and it's happening in many places in the world today. Uh, but we're assured that in the hand of Jesus Christ that we have a sure and certain and future glory and resurrection of those bodies. And so while we mourn and the, the loss of the, and the, the disregard for the sanctity of life, of human life, uh, we know the promises of God, and we know of a certainty that, as the Apostle Paul said, for, for me to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that's a glorious place, believe it or not. Well, actually, you better believe it. Uh, it's a glorious place to be in the presence of the Lord. Uh, it is uh, uh, an end to uh, any of the present sufferings that we have suffered and the beginning of the glory of the great joy that God has planned for us. So Hebrews 2, 14 through 15 says, Therefore, since the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through the fear of death were subject to slavery. So Jesus took upon himself flesh in order to become a sacrifice for you. He took upon human flesh through the lineage of the, of the uh, people of David. And I don't understand exactly how the incarnation of Jesus Christ happens and how, how the Son of God was able to, to, uh, to be born by the power of the Holy Spirit uh, at, through the lineage of David and take upon himself human flesh. I can't tell you the scientific nature of how that went about, but it's what is revealed to us in Scripture as to who Jesus was. And it's, it's revealed that because he took upon himself that flesh, he was able to die in your place, which he could not do as the Son of God uh, in his glory. So he came down and, and substituted for you in a wonderful way. So in the next, not only are we uh, assured that, that this martyrdom cannot separate us from the love of Christ, but we're also um, <clears throat> assured uh, that we're overwhelming conquerors over all worldly suffering and over all sin and uh, that God has intended for us to be victorious. And so what we can know about God is God is wise and he plans the best for me. It may not seem like it or feel like it uh, on this side of glory, but we can know that God has plan and, and has a plan for our lives and is calling for us and that that plan is good and it's the best uh, for even as Jesus on the cross of Calvary said, uh, Nevertheless, Father, not my will, when he asked that God would remove the cup for him, but your will be done. Jesus didn't want to uh, suffer the, the disgrace of the cross. 
and, and that hardship uh, in his personal will, but he yielded to the Father's plan. And the scripture says that Jesus did not, uh, no one took Jesus' life, he laid it down. And he said, if, if I lay it down, I will take it up again. And he knew those things and he trusted the Father and he did that work on the cross of Calvary. First John chapter five, verses four and five says, so for whatever that is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Your faith <clears throat> is gonna give you the power over all things because it comes from the power of God. Faith and trust in, in God's word when God says do this and we're obedient to that, <clears throat> it overcomes, it conquers the world, it conquers our culture, it conquers our fleshly desires, it conquers all things. You are, are called to be overwhelming conquerors, overwhelming conquerors. Uh, sin and death and such things as are in the world are not to have control over you. The scripture says, and Jesus said, he that commits sin is a slave to sin. Well, a conqueror has victory over this power of sin in their life because the power of God gives them that victory. And it's faith in the power of God and what God can do in and through us that works that victory in our lives. And you can try in the energy and the strength of your flesh to make yourself presentable to God all that you want to, but you'll never be victorious in that. But in Christ Jesus, there is victory, and that victory comes by our faith or our trust in Jesus Christ. The world, <clears throat> who is the, the one who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Know the power of God. Embrace the power of God. Believe in the power of God by faith. Trust in him to do in and through you what you cannot do for yourself. In all of these things, we're overwhelming conquerors through Jesus. And to learn that dependence upon him is to learn victory in, in this life and to know the fullness because the word of God is the word of life and we're to order our steps in accordance with his word. That obedience to his word is where life is. And to follow after it means life. It means what we were created for. It means satisfaction. It's glorious. And God in his great mercies has given us this wonderful gift that we should be overcomers. And so the next point is that we are overwhelming conquerors. So just making the, the point there um, that, let's see, I think that, yes, okay. Um, we're overwhelming conquerors that, that uh, in, in regard to things to do and overcoming the world, trust that God will give me victory over my sins. Faith is our victory. There's a wonderful hymn, faith is, faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. Oh, glorious victory that God has given us through Jesus Christ. It's the second major point that we have in your notes there is that we're convinced of the inseparable love of God. Notice that it says uh, in, uh, in, in that verse, <clears throat> uh, Verse 38, and this is our text, for I am convinced that the neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come uh, nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. <clears throat> so it's interesting if you go back to those verses um, uh, in... Uh, uh, verse 35, uh, that we have a list of things that, that happen to you on earth. These, these seem to be um, extraterrestrial things, uh, both by the nature of the spiritual beings that are addressed here and these spiritual powers that are addressed, but also by nature of the location of those things. Some have, have thought that all of these terms that are mentioned in this verse refer to um, uh, just spiritual, uh, the spiritual warfare and spiritual beings, but it actually addresses also uh, places, heaven and, and Sheol, or the places of death uh, and God's presence there. So it deals with location as well. Um, but we're convinced of the inseparable love of God. There's a con 
convincing that, that faith has in the person of Jesus Christ and in his integrity. Jesus said it, so it is true. Whether it feels like it or not, or whether I can think of it or not, uh, in regard to the things that are presently going on or happening to me, <clears throat> his word... <coughs> excuse me, is always true. Um, so uh, 2 Timothy 1.12 says, For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know and I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him against that day. He's able to keep you, folks. He's able to keep you from being snatched out of his hand. And his word is good, his word is true. I am persuaded that he is able. I'm persuaded that he's able to hold me. I'm persuaded that he's able to keep me, uh, even in the darkest of hours. So the, the, the thing uh, that we, we do as God's people is that we trust God. And that's faith, right? Trust his word. Because in his word is his reputation. It's his integrity. And you can trust him regardless of how dark and I'm speaking, I know that I'm speaking to people here at Grace Bible Church that are going through incredibly hard and difficult things. God is there with you. He's able to help. He's able to hold you. He's able to, to keep you and trust Him, believe in Him, and know that His Word, that there's integrity in what He says, that He will not fail it may seems like he fails, but his word and his promise, and hang on to these promises that he gives to us, that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purposes. All things work together for good. Do you believe it? Do you believe his word? Is he trustworthy? Does he have the integrity and the power to say and to actually do what he's saying he would do in his promise, in his word? Yes. Yes. Believe him. But it's the power that overcomes the world, the power that overcomes these things is uh, that uh, believing our faith, our trust in God. So God is testing you. All of this is a test. A trial to see if we will trust him, trust his word, believe him. And there's great glory, glorious things that God will bring about uh, through, through his word and through faith in him and what he's doing. He's called you to these things. He's called you, especially in times of hardship, to believe him through those, those times of, of trial in times that when things aren't going like you want them to, to believe that he has some kind of power in his unseen hand to work things together in this miraculous way and glorious way. Trust the Lord your God, for he is great and awesome. And then the, here are some points under these verses there in verses 38 and 39. We are eternally secure and no physical or spiritual death can separate us from the love of Christ. Notice that I changed it up a little bit there. And I said physical or spiritual death. Because I think when he spoke about martyrdom, he was talking about spirit, uh, physical death here. Uh, but perhaps he's focusing more on the fact that, that uh, neither death nor life can, can separate us from his love. Can't separate us, can't snatch us, can't take, take us away from the power of his hand. He cannot take us out of, the, of the, the hand of that love of our Father, that God that has loved us. And, and I just, I put this verse on here from Romans 7 too. For the married woman is bound to the law of her husband while he is living, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning her husband. When, when uh, folks get married... Uh, it's it's the, the tightest relationship on planet Earth that we have because, the, you know, it's until death do us part. I'm, I'm here with you for, for, for the, our lifetime. I'm here with you. But the love of Christ exceeds the life of, in the, the expanse of, 
of the greatest relationship that we have here. The relationship that you have with Christ is eternal and it will, it will go beyond physical death and it will save us gloriously from that spiritual death for an eternal uh, life in Jesus Christ. Jesus will never stop loving us and turning bad things into good. Believe his word and trust him. There's a another point here that we'd make, uh, the next phrase there, that it's neither life nor death, <coughs> nor angels nor principalities. Okay, well, let me deal with the fears of life. So it's not just death, but also the fear of, of life that we have. We have many insecurities. We all come to those places where we realize that, that life is outside of our control, that we can't make things happen the way that we want to make them happen. Uh, we can't, we're not in charge. We're not Lord. We're not God. We don't have that, that power to, to control events. And God asks us to trust him through that and through all of a, the, the fears that we may have in life, the insecurities that we may have. He wants us to know peace and to know that he's in charge. And, and being a believer in Jesus Christ means practically, in the very practical sense, that we trust him to be Lord, to guide our, our path, to direct us through life and through all of these things that we can't control and that we're not in charge of. He's so much more than a crutch. Christ, Christianity, uh, religion is a, maybe a crutch, but Christianity is our life. It means that God is in charge and, and it's, it's, it is complete in, in who we are and, and it requires all of us. God wants all of you. Uh, not give God this part of my life, but this part of my life I don't give to God because I'm in charge here. That's, that's what he's dealing with. That's sanctification. And so there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. If you know the love of Christ, you're going to cast out all those fears. And we all have them. And we all struggle with them. And our flesh is always contrary to God. And we'll, uh, we'll, until we get our resurrection body, we're going to have some, one struggle or another that, uh, where God is, is wanting that portion of our life. He wants us to yield it up to him. And your, your flesh is going to fight it. But sanctification and the power of God and the perfect love that God has for you will move you on. It'll move you beyond that too. Uh, because fear involves punishment and no one who fears is perfected in love. We always think of, of these fears that, you know, I'm missing out on life or I'm missing out on something. But God's love for you is perfect. Fear not. The next point is that we are... Um, uh, eternally secure, and no angels can separate us from the love of God. So um, there it says, nor angels, nor principalities. Uh, but the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. They're very active, and they're very powerful, and they're, they're highly intelligent. The spiritual warfare that we fight involves these things, and, and God's word, what he's saying to us, is that despite uh, their power and their intelligence and their ability to mess with you, no, they cannot separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. Uh, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we have uh, faith that God is able to sustain us from these very wicked uh, angelic beings that are very smart and very powerful uh, but unable to uh, in any way uh, harm you. And then there's uh, a, a second type of, of demonic angels. They're called ruling demons. Uh, and it's they're, the, the term that's used in Scripture is uh, principalities, angels nor principalities. These principalities are ruling demons. They're ones that have power uh, over, uh, over uh, areas, over territories. Uh, and we saw this in Daniel chapter 10 when the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding the angel Gabriel. 
Uh, Lori's studying this in her Daniel study these days now. But this prince of the kingdom of Persia was withholding a, a, a cherubim, a, a powerful holy angel. And, and then it says, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, another cherubim, another powerful angel, uh, holy angel, came and, and withheld, withstood the prince over the kingdom of Persia. So it tells us that if these uh, demonic uh, beings, these principalities, are powerful enough to withhold a cherubim, uh, that they're more powerful than we are, right? But God is saying, and his word is saying, that uh, this uh, uh, high order of demons uh, cannot harm you. They cannot, uh, they cannot uh, that God's protection is over you and that he will, uh, his love will sustain you. And so moving on then, there's uh, next phrase as we are, eternally secure and no present troubles can separate us from the love of God. If you look there in verse 38, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present. Okay, so what problems do you have? What troubles do you have uh, and, and that's plaguing your mind and maybe hindering you from thinking about how great God is this morning because it's just become so big and so huge and so powerful uh, that you... Uh, just uh, don't uh, see uh, the power of God. Um, but uh, there was a, an interesting saying in one of the uh, devotions that we had this week, and, uh, and the, the quote is that instead of, of God hears my problem, how about problem hears my God? You know? It's just a change in perspective. But... <clears throat> but keeping our eyes and keeping our focus upon the power of God and who he is and the love of God and knowing his, his great love for us uh, changes everything, doesn't it? So problem, here's my God. And that, it's, it's freeing. It's, it's, the, it's the acknowledgement I'm not in control, I'm not in charge, but you are in control, you are in charge, and by faith I believe that that this is your problem, it's not mine, that you're able to do uh, what I could not do. So we're eternally secure, and no present troubles can separate us from the love of Christ. So may I say to you that the Scripture tells us not to worry. So there's a, a main thing that we can get from, uh, from the love of Christ over these present troubles that we have, and that is that God is going to own them. That, that your Lord is going to own those problems. Present them to him and leave them with him. Leave them with him and, and know the freedom that, that we have in Christ Jesus and the peace which passes understanding. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Be not troubled. Don't worry. Do not worry. And then there is... Uh, the, uh, we're eternally secure and no future troubles can separate us from the love of Christ. Do you, do you sometimes worry about what's going to happen tomorrow? And it's, it plagues us, you know, just these dreams that how bad it's going to go and how bad it's going to be. And so we end up usually just blowing up these things into incredible uh, untruths that are not going to ever happen. And we worry and we worry and it causes us incredible stress and it's just awful. And yet uh, we plunge into it. We just love to worry for some reason. And God does not want us to worry about things what might happen or might not happen tomorrow. Uh, and that does not mean that we do not look at things and plan for things and, and look at bad things and, and realize, hey, I need to, to take some action here or do this or do that. That's not worrying. That's taking proper kind of concern and, and planning and, and doing what we need to do. Uh, but when we, when we move into that deal where we, we just grow all of these things that, that we can't control, we can't, we can't do anything about, but our God can, and we just need to leave them with Him. And so 
things that we're not to do is to not fear what will happen tomorrow. Can you do that? Can you give it to God this morning and just say, God, here it is. Here's my problem. It's your problem because you're my Lord. You're my God, and I believe and trust in you. You're able to do what you alone can do. And then there's other things. We are eternally secure and no dark powers. This is powers. It's just, it's, this, is kind of, this term kind of stays on its own there in that verse 38. It says, no powers can separate you from the love of God. I mean, I think that's all included, but, but sometimes uh, there's, and there, there are actually satanic powers in this world that we live in. And, and there, the, the boogeyman is, is really a real thing. But the scripture says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's not some boogeyman or some demon in the rafters or some kind of thing that can do anything to separate you from the love of Christ Jesus. Nothing. Nothing can separate. Greater is the spirit of Jesus Christ that he gave to us when you were born again. God gave to us this, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came to indwell our lives, and that Spirit is more powerful than any dark powers and any boogeyman. Do not fear a boogeyman. Know and know that you're walking in the security of God. He's numbered your days. He knows how long you're going to live. He knows what you're going to die with. He has called you. He has complete control. The Holy Spirit that has been given to indwell us has complete power over all powers in this world and, and spiritual powers that we war against. We have all that we needed. We're secure in the love of Jesus Christ. Know it, believe it, and trust it. We are eternally secure, and no heights of heaven can separate us from the love of Christ. Now, it's scripture in Psalm 139, to make it short, the scripture says, If I ascend to heaven, this was David in the psalm, you are there. Because, you know, what this passage teaches us is that God is omnipresent, there's nowhere that we can go. If we ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. God is omnipresent. There's, I mean, it means he's everywhere. The Spirit of God is with us this morning. The Spirit of God has come to live in our lives. God is with us. And, and the, the Scripture says that, that we have been uh, sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. That Holy Spirit is keeping you. And God is always there. So things to know, know that God is always there. He's always there in the dark room with the boogeyman. He's always there uh, when even the powerful uh, spiritual beings are after you. Uh, and, and God doesn't even tell you to, to give them acknowledgement. But know his word, know his power, know his presence, and know his goodness. And then we are eternally secure and no depths of shoal can separate us from the love of God. Uh, again, David is just acknowledging the transcendence of God. He's over all of his, everything that he created. This is our God. Think about it. We can go out and we can look at the heavens tonight and as many stars as we can see and the expanse of the heavens, we can know that God, His very presence transcends it. It's outside of it. It's more than that. That's how great He is. And we often need to go and think, this is how great our God is. This is how immense He is. This is how majestic He is. And that's where our peace is. That's where, our, uh, that's where reality is. It's truth. And knowing those things should change us and transform our lives and, and strengthen us. So wonderful things. Moving on here, we are eternally secure. And, know, and I use this word, nemesis, in all of the created order can separate us from Christ. And a nemesis is, a, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting term, but a nemesis is an insurmountable obstacle or... Um, or a rival, 
So uh, I think that it, it's just saying that there's no, uh, nothing in, in this, this world that can separate us from uh, our God. There's no rival and there's no obstacle that can separate us from our God. So things not to do, do not do it without Christ. Know that Christ is with you and will help you and that he will do these things. 1 John 1, 14, uh, 16 through 17 says, We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this love is perfected with us, and we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Even the day of judgment, there's no reason for you to fear. My faith has found a resting place. It's uh, it, um, <clears throat> not in device nor creed. I trust the ever-living one. His wounds for me shall plead. The love of Christ, the love of God is sufficient. And the scripture tells us, we're instructed in the scripture that um, much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. There's no judgment facing you because Christ took that judgment. Know the freedom of it. Know the glory that there's no nemesis in the created order. There's no obstacle that can stand between you and his great love. We have confidence in the day of judgment because Christ has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. And let me make some, a couple of points here in closing. Um, there, let's see, yes, in our conclusion, the love of God and salvation by grace through faith is grounds for our present assurance that God will sanctify us. So have faith in Jesus' love and it will help me not to sin. Uh, and I'll take you back uh, to Romans chapter 5, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in tribulations, knowing that tribulations brings about perseverance and perseverance proven character. That's what God is doing in you. And proven character brings about hope, and hope does not disappoint. Because why? because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, I want to make that point going back to chapter 5 because all of this work that we've done in, the, in Romans through up until this time in chapter 8 is being addressed here by the Apostle Paul. He's been addressing these things so that you know and understand this message that's being spoken this morning. So that you know and understand that the love of God has been poured out into our hearts. And that love of God is what compels us and propels us. And remember in chapter 3 it said, Do we then nullify the law through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. By faith in the power of God, by faith in the grace of God, by faith in the love of God being placed in our hearts and doing that work within us, we're moving on toward holiness and toward love of God and toward love of others that God intends for His people. And He's going to do that work in you. He's completing that work. And we're looking at the love of God and salvation by grace through faith is the grounds for our present assurance that God will sanctify us. He'll make us holy. He will do great and awesome things in the lives of his people. The love of God and salvation by grace is grounds for our eternal security affecting inconceivable future glory for you. God's word says it, believe it. God is doing something that eye has not seen and ear has not heard nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has planned for you. You can't think about it. You can't even imagine it. It's greater than what you can imagine. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for you. Do not fear. The Lord said to Paul in the night by vision, do not be afraid any longer. Isn't it interesting that this apostle, you know, he was afraid 
This is taken from his uh, time in Acts uh, when he went to Corinth and, and he had been beaten. He had been stoned. Uh, many bad things had happened to the Apostle Paul. He goes to Corinth and he's afraid. And it's, it helps me to know that, that Paul was afraid because I get afraid. You know, I have fears. And, and God says, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. There's boldness here with the Apostle Paul that he takes up and he carries the gospel into places that are dangerous. Places where his life is threatened. Places where much hardship comes on him. Present suffering. Go on speaking. And this word, may it be to you in my heart this morning. For I am with you and no man will attack you in order to harm you. For I have many people in this city. He gave Paul that confidence. Don't be afraid. The scripture tells us do not fear. Do not be afraid. The scripture says that the dangers of this present world, <clears throat> there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. You know why Paul uh, shared the gospel in Corinth? It was a terrible city. I mean, it was so immoral. And it was so corrupt. And there was so much bad junk there and hardship and messed up lives and destroyed families and everything that we had today. The apostle Paul was facing there. But perfect love cast out fear. And Paul forged on in sharing the gospel and speaking the the grace of, his, of salvation in Jesus Christ to people that was passed on from Corinth and from these places where Paul carried the gospel to you today. And think of the glory of it. Think of the, of the power that, that the Apostle Paul, he, he simply by faith believed the Word of God and he endured the hardship. He endured the suffering for the great glory that God had for for, for you and I to become believers today. The Apostle Paul and those disciples, those apostles of Jesus Christ, they did it with the proclamation of the gospel, even to the shedding of their own blood. And we're called to just the same thing. That as God's people, he's called us to lay down our lives and follow after Jesus Christ, to take up our cross and endure the sufferings in this present world with perfect love, casting out fear. It's a glorious passage. So, and then do not fear for the dangers of this present world. Trust in the Lord. I just love this passage from Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and depart from evil. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. There's one thing that we're to fear. One thing only, and that's the Lord God. We're to respect Him, to know that He's powerful, to know that our lives are in His hands, to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear God more than, than, than fearing people and what people think and all of these things that, that we have to face in life, uh, that we have these, these terrible fears. God says, fear me. Fear the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God. Do not fear the dangers of this present world, so trust in the Lord. And uh, uh, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus. That's what this passage is all about. It's what we've been talking about for, for weeks here. Will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you? God is able to take you through the storm. He's able to take you through the hard times. He's able to take you through these things. Trust that Jesus' great, uh, his great will will give me victory over my sin, over my trouble, over all of these things that are spoken of here in these wonderful verses in God's word. And then do not fear the wicked who oppose Almighty God. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus from God is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that it is coming and is now already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
Know the spiritual victory that Christ has. Do not fear the wicked who oppose Almighty God. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity to obedience, every thought to the obedience of Christ. You need to, to uh, by faith, allow God to control your thought life. And your thought life needs to be directed by the Word of God, by the Scripture, and by that truth. Do not fear the wicked who oppose the Almighty God. Do not fight to live the Christian life by your own strength. But know that He is able to do what God is able to do. And then do not fear the wicked who oppose Almighty God. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. It is God's power in faith. And so uh, the next slide there says that we're to trust that Jesus, uh, great love, will save me. Jesus is our Savior. And understand, it's a very simple principle that Jesus is able to save us to the uttermost. Father in heaven, thank you uh, for your word. Um, Lord, uh, you are our light and our salvation, and, and whom shall we fear? Well, who do we fear? You are the defense of our lives. Whom shall we dread? We give thanks to you that you keep us in perfect peace, for our minds are stayed upon you. And we praise you, Lord, for the inseparable love of God and of our Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord, that you have saved us by the blood of Jesus from your just wrath for our sins and the judgment which will soon befall all the nations of the earth and all the people of the earth. Thank you for your eternal security that we have in Christ. Thank you, dear Lord, that we have an eternal in, an inheritance and co-heirship with our Lord Jesus. Thank you that we have an incomprehensible future glory in your presence and in the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the assurance that we have that you are our Savior and you will deliver us from the penalty of our sins and from the power of our sin in our lives. May your grace instruct us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. After we have suffered for a little while, you, the God of all grace, who have called us to your eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. Thank you, God. For your